Welcome back to Girls Next Level, everybody. Bridget and I are so excited to get back into our interview with Jen, our producer from Girls Next Door, season one. If you didn't listen to our last episode, be sure and listen to it. She's spilling all the tea. She's answering all our questions. She's solving all of our mysteries. And after we're done talking to Jen, Bridget and I are going to do a little story time for you. We're going to tell you what we were up to between seasons one and seasons two of Girls Next Door so you can hear all the drama and get to know where we were at in our headspace and everything like that before we get into season two. So let's get back into our interview with Jen. Yeah, well, and I know I keep asking you about rules and stuff because I just know that there's more than we're even thinking of at this time because I remember, I don't know if you told me this or if Kevin told me this, but every we basically could hardly leave the mansion. I mean, we can go run errands or whatever, and we can do a quick trip to Vegas. But every, but I was told everything needed to start and stop at the mansion. The, the episode needed to start at the mansion, and it needed to close at the mansion. Like, you had to be home. Like, we couldn't have a, a show that ended, and we're still at the club partying, and they just the cameras just go away. No, it has to catch us going back home and, like, the good night, light out kind of thing. I think it's just for our story purposes, it was a cleaner exit. And then it probably became sort of a thing. I think it was Kevin that told me because he's like, it's your home. We always want to know that you guys are back home at night. I mean, it makes sense. And it's a nice device to like wrap everything up. But it was just it was just difficult because it hindered. Like I said, it was it's hard to work for your boss and shoot his girlfriends in his home. I, and I know he wasn't the end-all, be-all boss, but he did, you know, he got first cuts. I remember mm-hmm. that was a big night for us was when you all, we didn't know you ladies were going to be watching the cut. And he put it on in the bedroom for all three of you and him. And that was a difficult next day for me. <laughs> Wait, why? What feedback did you get? From you guys. You weren't, you weren't happy with the first episode the first time you watched it. Well, I know I was not happy with the first episode just because of that thing at the end where they're like, get rid of the other girls and then they make it look like Kendra's really like competing with me. Mm-hmm. And it also, it did, it did burst the bubble because you saw yourselves as, as you were going to be on, on the series. Mm-hmm. So it was, it didn't, it just changed the way you looked at all of us. I think again, like now you really, you sort of saw what was, what the product was. Yeah. But yeah, I think half, half was, half was very hesitant, I think, at first, just about having us there, about what mm-hmm. we were going to do. Again, same thing. And then so as he warmed up to us, you know, he appeared more, he did more, he was more willing to, to play and travel and do all the things like we couldn't get him to do when we first got there. This question is from a listener, but they wanted to know, was it ever on the table or suggested that Hef sit for a confessional interview at any point? It was never on the table. It was never an option. It was never, yeah. I, I don't even know. I was never even close to being it, having it be considered. It was just mm-hmm. never. I never heard about it. So if yeah. there was a conversation above me. At I don't any know point, that there was. Somebody was just curious. I also want to say too that Hef and Kevin got so into the show that they did not want it to end. Not only did Hef want to participate and did we travel and do all kinds of things and all sorts of doors opened and Hef was like, yeah, you should do that. Yeah, that'd be great for the show. Oh yeah, do that. And Kevin was in love with the show, and nobody wanted it to end so when we were leaving in that last season I think it was very traumatic for Hef mm-hmm. and Kevin yeah of course Kevin um, lashed out at me hard he did like a open letter that he signed that he put on the message boards to basically like blaming me for the whole show falling apart accusing me of doing all kinds of things I didn't do it was crazy yeah I mean first of all it was a very lucrative show it was very successful it made a it, well it was lucrative for some I, I was gonna say I'm glad somebody was making money <laughs> off of it 
it. Right. Um, and I think, as we talked about, as I we talked about earlier, I think for the Playboy brand, it was massive. I mean, it was it brought you to a whole new audience, and mm-hmm. in some ways, like made it this like reinvigorated like an innocence to the Playboy brand. And for Kevin, I mean, it it put his production company even further on the map, if not on the map. You know, he was able to do spinoff shows. He was able yeah. to do a bunch of other stuff. And the, even without him now, the company is still at least out there. Yeah. So. For sure. Do you remember the e-message boards? I do. <laughs> they were so vile and so mean. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. They were so, they were the worst thing yeah. ever. And I remember people, if they tried to defend us, people would, like, do the equivalent of what they would call swatting today. They would, like send shit to their house or stalk their homes or like do like threaten their families so and stuff. Yeah. And we really did. I mean, I, I you ladies were not portrayed in a like you were supposed to be fun. Like it was supposed to like that's yeah. I, I I mean, you may not be happy with how you were portrayed, but the overall tone and heart of the show was fun and frolicky and, you know, mm-hmm. innocent. Yeah. So it's so funny that it got like the negative feedback it did. Yeah, it's just people hating for, like, misogynistic reasons, I think. Like, what are you girls doing? How dare you use your looks and sexuality to get ahead in any way, you know? Absolutely. They were tough. Those message boards were tough. Yeah. Okay, so in my notes, I'm on the Vegas episode, and I was just curious. We do this whole shower scene. Mm-hmm. Um, just girls being silly. I was and there. drinking <laughs> and everything. Hip- hypnotic? Wasn't that your drink? Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hypnotic's great if they want to sponsor us. Absolutely. <laughs> no, but I was just curious. Was nudity, and we've touched on this a little bit already, but was nudity pushed at all on the, like, did, did was Kevin, like, get as much nudity as, as you can? No. It's so funny because at the time, again, I thought so um, in in the moment, I was like, well, none of, I thought the same way you did, which is like, mm-hmm. none of this is going to go anywhere. We can't show any of this stuff. Yeah. So I remember there was a bathtub scene. I can't remember which one of you it was. All and, of us. Yeah. And we went <laughs> to great lengths to explain to you, like, we're going to have low camera angles. It's all going to be very, it's going to be, hint- nakedness is going to be hinted at. Not, I didn't have you do the shower scene. It just right. happened. Yeah. So it was one of these things where, well, obviously we're going to blur that. Like, that's not going to. Yeah. So we just were in the moment going with it. But it was not pushed. It didn't need to be pushed. You you ladies were very comfortable in your bodies. You often were in bathing suits or lingerie. So the nudity almost was unnecessary at yeah. some level. Mm. Well, and then also we've noticed that there's a lot of camera angles that like seem to specifically be aimed at the... Oh, yeah, like crotch if there's playmates walking, it'll be, like, up their butt and stuff like or that. Or right on their crotch, like me running down the stairs, and the camera is, like, right at the crotch level, like, almost like it's hoping to get a peek of whatever's underneath. Getting in and out of the car, the camera's kind of, like, right in that angle. There's a scene where Holly's doing something over at the bunny house, and, I mean, I guess you flop on the couch and you're wearing a skirt, but yeah. it's still, like, right up. the. And it's just, like, really, all of these are... But then again, maybe it's just these scenes were shot and those are the ones the editors picked because yeah that could be it too there's male editors and they're like oh i this is funny her panties are showing yeah it's it's funny it's something i'm i'm aware of when i'm in post of it's also you want to make sure your talent is filmed from their most flattering angle so maybe they all thought you had great tushes (laughs) um 
<laughs> but I think that's maybe something that wasn't as conscious as you think it was. I think it was trying to find different angles, but also flattering angles of all of you. Because we did, you were always meant to look gorgeous and fun and, you know, like dream girls. So I know, especially it's something even now like that we are very aware of in the field is making sure, you know, you shoot women at complimentary, not just women, but men and men yeah. and women at complimentary angles mm-hmm. and you know, I, I can't have a camera guy follow somebody up the stairs anymore. I'm like, this is, yeah. no one <laughs> yeah. wants to see that. So I think it was just an era of TV where we weren't as, I think we, we filmed a lot, like we talked about. We filmed you guys a lot, and I think it might have been choice at that moment, unintentionally being unflattering. Yeah. Because like I said, you are our heroes. When we film a show like this, like you you ladies are our talent. You're our heroes. You rise. You know, if you fall, we have to, we need to see you rise so that we can root for you from home. Especially a show like this where like there were no like, it's not a bravo villains versus mm-hmm. good guys kind of thing. So showing you in an unflattering angle doesn't do anybody any good. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm on the fight night episode <laughs> yes. and I'm curious Barbie Benton coming. Were you guys told anything? Did you have any? I honestly had no idea that's how that episode would play out. I do remember going, I remember her interview because she lived, we had to go to her house to do her interview and she was, she either rented or owned, it had been Prince's Mansion. I did not know that. In LA? LA. Yes. Damn. So it was like, it was, she was, she gave us a whole tour of like when he had been there and like what was what. Like I guess the whole thing had been purple. Uh, Weird things that you remember when you work in TV, (laughs) which has nothing to do with what made it on camera. We knew who she was. We knew her history. I mean, she, you you saw sort of what it, what a weird relationship they had. Yeah. I think there was definitely, I was trying to, you know, I don't remember what I was thinking at the time as a, you know, in my 20s producer, but now as an older woman, you know, to to watch one of the loves of your life be around these younger, gorgeous women. I don't know. It it, it was it was an interesting episode for me to rewatch because you kind of feel bad for her watching it, but she was not very nice either. And I don't remember her being nice to work with either. Yeah. I think she got nicer later on. Yeah, We definitely. actually ended up having fun with her. But I feel like in this episode, it was definitely a little, I think maybe she was stressed out, like really nervous yeah. to do it. And I felt shitty because even in the moment, I knew what Kevin was trying to do. And I just felt very like unfairly put on the spot. Like, let's make Holly as jealous and uncomfortable as possible so we can see her react. And I've never been about reacting for anybody. Yeah. So I was just pissed. <laughs> yeah. I remember. I even remember interviewing you about that and you were you just didn't you just like didn't really want to go there very much yeah I didn't well I didn't want to give Kevin what he wanted really because I knew what he's trying to do <laughs> and yeah. her job is to get exactly what Kevin wants yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I just I remember that being a difficult one to, like I don't even think I asked you that many questions that's maybe why Kevin came in no but uh <laughs> I remember trying to ask you in 17 different ways to talk about it and you weren't giving me you weren't giving me great answers. Yeah. You were just kind of like, you, you were trying as best you could to answer, but also shut out, shut yeah. it down. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh. And with a wife... We get the permission to go and do it. So we're going to go to North Carolina to see my brother. This is the Operation Playmate episode. And all of us girls had just made these big gift boxes for the troops with cookies and signed photos. And I don't even know what else was in there. Just a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff. Yeah. And my idea was to take hand deliver one to my brother, who is at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, and have let us do it. Also, though, on this trip, we're going to pick up my dog, which was in Georgia, but the woman was going to meet us at the airport, which was going to be our layover, so we had very limited time. 
And we tell Kevin about this. He totally wants to film it, but he doesn't want to send a crew with us. Mm -hmm. And I asked him about it, and he straight up told me he didn't really see the importance of these scenes. Yeah. He thought it was worth getting somebody to go with me and film it, but he didn't see the importance of And this blows my mind because we're talking about family, which becomes very important to the whole series of the show. We're talking about the military, which also plays a significant part in like several different episodes Mm -hmm. throughout the, the series. And is so personal to so many people watching. It makes you relatable. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm getting my dog, which is like one of the stars of the show from here on out. And it's not worth going to to send a camera crew to. Yeah. You know what it probably didn't quote unquote fit in with is when we were talking to the other producer, he was saying that at one point he was in the edit and somebody from the network came in at some point and he looked at what whatever oh, they were cutting yes. together and he goes what is this this isn't what i want to see this show is three things it's funny fighting and fucking yeah so not that you couldn't have made the scenes with your brother funny but well, they weren't like funny fighting or fucking but there's actually another big f that was the most important thing of the show which was family yeah but they didn't know but it not at the then time. Yeah. yeah no i think it was interesting i think you you hadn't popped quite yet as a like you hadn't really found your... I think your episodes came out when, when we pl- started to play your sister even more. Watching you be a sister made that, like, best friend, sister role that you were kind of really pop and gave you, like, a really, like, started to round you out. I think at the time they didn't really want to introduce people that weren't key to the mansion. Like, yeah. highly sexualized... Oh, well, because my sister is here for all of these episodes mm-hmm. this whole time we're filming, and she's just cut out. Like, yeah, every so once yeah. in a while, you'll see her running down the stairs behind me, but there's no mention that nope. it's my sister or nope. anything. You see her walking into the mansion a couple times in the background, but yeah, no, yeah. I know. She was there the whole summer. She was there the whole time we're filming the show. She gets an episode and a half. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, she does get a whole, ep- like, basically an episode to her, but yeah. he wasn't even going mm-hmm. that... He wouldn't have used her at all if it wasn't for doing that makeover. Yeah. No, and I think I, I remember they were dismissive of me going. It was like, just do, do what you can. Get what you get what you want. We don't, like, same thing. We don't see how this fits in to the show. Yeah, I remember um, you had this little handheld camera. <laughs> sorry for everybody who watched that episode. That was me filming. Uh, it was terrible. Talk about terrible angles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, at the airport and the lighting's so bad. So and you're right in my face. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen. You could have backed up just a little bit. Just even, like, watching your sister take the picture of you in front of Fort Bragg. I was like, really? This is how I shot this? <laughs> yeah. This is why I don't touch the cameras. I just... <laughs> Stay behind the camera. But yeah, it was it was interesting because I remember it was we 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 had a good time. We, we had, had a great, great time. time. <laughs> um it was a little it was a little stressful because the military part of it all. Like because I remember like I can't remember exactly what happened, but they basically pulled permission at the last minute. So we had to go to that restaurant and have your brother scramble. Um, my bro- we had my brother on to tell the story what happened from his point of view and he got pulled in by like one of the top dudes from Fort Bragg, like called him and his like first sergeant or I don't know what the titles are whatever his boss was and he's like we have to go report to so and so and Eddie's like what the fuck because that doesn't happen unless like you know major shit's about to happen and he's like Sandmeyer, that's my brother's last name. Fort Bragg is not hosting Playboy. It's so funny. <laughs> he was like, heard, understood, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, that was so we're like, all right, we're gonna wing it. 
And then we did have a camera guy for that part, though, for the restaurant. The restaurant, they let us get somebody local. Yeah. Yeah. No, of course, local. And then I think we had one, which is also hard to shoot Mm -hmm. with one camera. Yeah, because we had a whole restaurant full of people. Mm -hmm. But they don't use that scene. They use the scene of just me and my brother sitting there learning to salute. And then they don't show the whole restaurant that gets packed and all the people that show up. And they just make it look like no one came. (laughs) I think it was, like I said, I think it was because it was just you. So it it didn't build the Playboy world out. It was you and your family, as opposed to like you and your Playboy family. Right. Which I think is another point of denial they had early on is like, in Kevin's mind, the show was not about us. It was about Hef and whoever his girlfriends happened to be. Right. Which, of course, is not what the show ended up being. No. No, and that there really is a Playboy family. There, Mm -hmm. there's the Hank and the Brian, the Brian, and like how they. That was the upstairs, downstairs stuff yeah. that comes out a little bit in the first season, but mm-hmm. come, came out more further. But you're right. It was not about half and. It was yeah. actually the opposite. It was yeah. you girls and. Well, I think we were already friendly before that. But this trip, we actually got to like be friends. Like yes. sit on a plane <laughs> with nobody looking over our no shoulder. Cameras, no mics. No nothing. mics listening to every word we're saying on our I know all camera. the truth about Bridget. I know. <laughs> and just... Like, we got to have drinks yep. and stay in hotel rooms. Yep. I mean, it was only, like, two nights, I think, total. Yeah, I think total, yeah. Um, the night we got there, and then the next night, and then off back. to get Winnie. Yeah, hurry up and get back. But, um, and then the getting Winnie part was so stressful because we just had that layover. And I'm pretty sure I had to be back for buffet dinner that night. No, I remember that because it was, we talked a lot on that plane. It was, and it was, it was you asking me a lot about like what you thought this was going to be going into it. Like that was kind of for both of us. It was really like after that point, the bubble was burst between us. Like there was definitely trust going both ways and just like what you had thought this was going to be and your expectations and your hopes. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, so it was good. So um, then the next one is our pictorial. Yes. <laughs> I can't drive. I drive by every now and then the the studio, and I just I oh, think about so it all funny. the time. I always think that when I drive, I'm rarely down there. But when I'm down there, I'm like, I wonder what's in there now. Same. Yeah. I do the same thing. I'm just like, huh, I used to spend more time here than a... Yeah, yeah, that was such a big part of my life. But, uh, dun, 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 something I need to know. The burning <laughs> question. Okay. My shower scene. <laughs> well, you call it my shower scene. Yeah. Our shower scene. So we're shooting all these different scenes together. Okay. I have to go to school. And we're dying to know, specifically me, but mm-hmm. Holly's been yeah. in on this too, was the setup to no. make me miss this. No. Not to my knowledge. Obviously, I, I have to miss it. Mm-hmm. I go to class. I'm devastated. They pick have picks a picture for the whole thing with just Holly and Kendra doing the shower scene. And, of course, I'm devastated, which leads me to the next th- scene that I wanted to ask you about. Okay. <laughs> Using my audio when I ask them not to. So I specifically want to talk to Hef about this because I'm devastated by it. This is something I wanted my whole life. Now I'm out of this scene. But I don't want to do it on camera because I don't want to sound like I'm not grateful for the opportunity that I got or the pictorial that we are still getting and my um, finally in the magazine. But they want they're refusing to like they film me going to Hef's room and t- saying I want to talk to him about something. And I said, I don't want to do it in front of the cameras. And they wouldn't stop down. But then they finally agreed. Mm-hmm. But they kept my audio running. And they use my audio without my motherfucking permission, and I will kill a bitch over this. So go ahead, speak freely. Yes. So I was not in post. Uh, I was not in the editorial. I'm being truthful. I don't really remember this 
it was obviously very meaningful for you. Mm. I was probably stressed out that like we were going late and we had to be out of the property mm-hmm. and whatever. You who did you tell me you didn't want to be recorded? I honestly don't remember who the producer was that was on it. I don't remember who the producer was that was there. Because sometimes what happens is you'll say something like that and we'll be like, yeah, of course. And then audio doesn't turn off your mic. Not intentionally, but just doesn't. And then it gets recorded and then it goes into the system and they find it. And then sometimes there is like an intentional, like just we know she's she didn't turn her mic off. She's got her mic on. Let's just shoot the door and hear what we hear. I cannot. <laughs> I feel like it sounds like I'm lying, but I'm telling the God honest truth. I don't remember maliciously doing that. I don't remember intentionally doing that. However, I think the producer in me would have wanted to capture it if I was there and that you and you left your mic on. But I wouldn't have known. The audio guy would have had to, or it was a girl, the audio woman would have had to to tell me her her mic is still on. Interesting. Because like, again, in this day and age, and I'm sure by season two or three, you ladies figured out how to turn them on and off. I never did though. I never turned on and off my mic. I did sometimes, but not always. Like sometimes I would forget and pee with it on and be yeah. like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I, I honest, I'm being truthful. I cannot recall if it was done intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah. Because sometimes you luck into that stuff where, I mean, I'm saying this from an editorial point mm-hmm. of view, where you're in post and you're like, oh my God, this audio is amazing. I can't believe she didn't know she was being mic'd or her mic was on. Like we we do, that does stuff does happen. The jinx is a great example. I know, right? Yeah. The jinx. Yeah. I, not that you were confessing to murder. Um, <laughs> I could have been that. Right. <laughs> right. So it's it's hard to say what the, that might be one where you ask our friend. Yeah. If he remembers. Did we ask him about that? I think we did. And I think he remembered that oh, yes. thing. I remember what he said now. What did he say? He just said, yeah, that. Like it didn't sound like it was his decision, but no. he remembers the happening of it. And he said that everybody was talking about how it wasn't cool, but that it was orders to use it anyway. Okay. And, and, and Kevin told him she signed up to do a fucking show. <gasps> That's and the other thing Ke- that Kevin said to our friend. He was like, this is what they signed up for. Yeah. But the irony is none of us signed we up didn't for sign it. Up we were in it. this living situation where we were told you have to do it or else you're out on the street. It was right. a weighted decision. It wasn't right. like something we signed up for. Yeah, he yeah. said that's what she signed up for. Use it. Interesting. Ew. And yeah. he said that the buzz around the office was very much like, this is fucked up. Yeah. Like I specifically plead and beg and tell them I'm not doing this on camera. Right. You know. And just the fact that the cameras weren't there is telling. So that means mm-hmm. it yeah, that you're he's probably accurate. He probably remembers it from that side of things, which is where it would have come from. Yeah. Um because that's what they would have gone, they would have found the audio and used it. Yeah. You guys, you know I'm super swamped. I'm always trying to find the next life hack and my new favorite one is Rocket Money. Are you like me and do you sign up for a ton of subscriptions, like different apps and things like that, and then you forget what you even have and you find yourself being nickeled and dimed to death? Well, Rocket Money will find any subscriptions you forgot about or any that you paid twice for and they will cancel it for you. And if you've ever had to cancel anything, you know what a pain that can be. You have to get on the phone and you're put on hold and then you didn't even call the right place. Rocket Money does it for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Most people think that they're spending about $80 on their subscriptions, when in reality, the number is closer to 200. When you're signed up for so many things like streaming services or free trials, 
bills, for things that you didn't even use. It's so easy to lose track of what you're paying for. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. No more long hold times or annoying emails with customer service. Rocket Money does all the work for you. Rocket Money can even negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. How easy is that? With over 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers have saved an average of $720 a year. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash next level. That's rocketmoney.com slash next level. rocketmoney.com slash next level. Anastasia's makeover. Oh yes, oh, that was a funny episode. That was funny in the moment. She was, so, she was so sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was so sweet. I'm curious if there was any talk of trying to make it look like we were trying to make her become a girlfriend, or that Hef might make her become a girlfriend. No, as a matter of fact, because of her age, and there was such like. The white panties is the best way I can describe it, but there was such an innocence to your sister that it was like not an option. Like it was not how the story was going to play. Yeah. As I recall. Again, that might be my own like in the moment naivete and like my relationship with you and her. I think, you know, we wanted a dramatic makeover. You got it. I mean, holy moly. I think if there would have been any, if we would have seen any spark, they would have gone with it. I think if Hef would have shown any interest, but I think Hef had the same kind of, she was a little girl, and then yeah, I think he had sort of the same reaction. I think we did as an audience was like it was a great transformation, but she was also like this little kid two minutes ago. Yeah, I just remember being we were so careful around her just to just to make sure it didn't feel too gross. Yeah, like that it felt Cinderella versus you know something else. Yeah. And then I was curious, too, do you remember, and uh, if you were with her that day with the tanning and everything, the, mm-hmm. all the stuff, um, do you remember you guys came back after her day with Holly doing the makeover, and mm-hmm. that was the day that she did the waxing and, and the, the chicken, tanning. And the chicken cutlets. The chicken cutlets. Yes, I learned that term from you ladies, too. <laughs> and I remember that you guys were all off campus with her and stuff, mm-hmm. and I had the worst migraine headache that day, and I was laying on like my window seal thing, like and I sound asleep, and you guys come back from the thing and flick on all the lights and cameras come running in wanting to mic me and stuff and Anastasia is muddy from head to toe and I'd never had a spray tan before so I didn't even know like what in the hell just happened to her and I was so appalled (laughs) and first of all I was irritated that I was like woken up from this nap I had a really bad headache and then here she comes she's supposed to be doing this amazing makeover and she looks like she just fell in a mud puddle and I was like what the hell happened oh my god I had no idea that you wash it off later and it lightens up I probably didn't either at the time (laughs) And I was just like, oh, my God. And I'm both of us are so surprised that they don't leave that in the show to, like, really build up the stakes. Oh, shit. This makeover is not going as planned. Yeah, it would have been great for the episode, I feel like. 
Yeah. So we just thought, I was just curious if you remember that at all. I remember it. I don't remember why I didn't make it in. I mean, I th- again, we had 22 minutes. We yeah. shot, especially, I'm, I'm sure it got better later, but we shot so much stuff that first. We did. There's so m- There's 29 deleted scenes, and it, those are just yeah. like the deleted scenes that they added. Like, this is not even everything we shot. Yeah, I think, I, mean, I just think about how much time I was up there that summer. I mean, I was there for three months to make 10 episodes, and we shot five, six days a week. Yeah. yeah. I remember you guys being there all the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it was hard not to, like, be close to everybody and have, you know, the connections and stuff like that. And I also thought it was really interesting because they don't introduce my mom at all. They don't mm-hmm. show her at all that she's coming or that she's there. And all of a sudden, she's just, like, there at the very end for Anastasia's reveal. And I thought that was telling. That's why I asked earlier what how you felt about Kendra's family because they get a very warm welcome and everybody's introduced and it's like Kendra's family is here but then they don't want to send a crew to go see my brother they don't want Anastasia in the show they they cut her out all the way up until they have to show her and then my mom is there the whole time and they don't even like reveal that she's there until we're doing Anastasia's reveal so I just thought that was really interesting the difference between the way our families were treated I wonder if it has something to do with the feedback from the Kendra episode with her family again I don't know if like people were like we don't care we only want to see the girls like why do we care about why do we care about their family I mean Mm -hmm. later sure but now it's like season one let's not like again let's not get distracted by other people like your sister works because she's there and she's getting a makeover for the party it's like but if we keep going further and further in it's like why yeah how does this come back to the mansion how does this come back to half yeah it makes sense would be my speculation I don't remember specifically if that has anything to do with it to be, I told you, I mean, honestly, I had forgotten Kendra's family was even there when I was, when I think back to that summer, I remember your sister, I did not remember them until I watched that episode. Yeah. And then, so then it's the Midsummer Night Dream Party. Yes. And it's kind of our wrap-ups. We do these like little wrap-ups in our interview. Yeah. As if it's over, because we all think it is. Yep. hundred percent. And that's it. It's eight episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Eight episodes, and it's done. I remember being bummed that it was over, and I was bummed when you guys were leaving the property. I remember feeling like such a loss of like friends and family, even you know, yeah. just like oh, they're yeah. gone. I don't want them to go. Yeah, that was that was. I mean, that was supposed to be you know the biggest party. Like the it was supposed to be this like grand finale. It was supposed to be the end of season one mm-hmm. for obvious reasons, you know. And then we didn't. No, I think the show must have aired, started airing closely thereafter. Oh, it aired right as it ended because right. Midsummer's happened, and that weekend, the next Girls day, Girls Next Door premiered. Yeah, the next day so, was the premiere. The turnaround from yeah. how, by the way, are turnarounds that typical in reality TV, or was that like, like a month or fastest? less? Because we started filming in May for season mm-hmm. one, and then it aired early August. So is that like shit hitting the fan, or is that relatively common? It's in the pretty common. Day? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah, for a half hour. That was the long part. Like later on, they got quicker. Like, Vegas, like we we are shooting Vegas in early November and, and airs, airs months later, like December fourth. Yeah, that's it. Gets it, as the show starts to figure it itself out. You shoot less, and you can turn it around a little bit faster in post. I mean, there's within reason, but yeah, um, yeah, the the post schedule gets really compressed, and you don't waste as much time just getting to know your people and hanging out mm-hmm. with them. You're just like, okay, we're here for Holly's blah, 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 and we're here for Bridget's blah, 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 and Kendra's doing this. One, two, three. 
Those are our scenes. That's how we do it. Yeah. There's much less wasted footage. Yeah. And that's much more how we shoot them now. It's like we, you know, we come in, we're like, okay, we're going to shoot Holly and Bridget doing a podcast with Jen, one of their old mm-hmm. producers. And they would come here and they would shoot this and then we would go our separate ways. And that would be, a, you know, a scene planned and potentially not wasted. Yeah. yeah. Whereas when we shot with you guys, like I said, there was so much stuff we shot that didn't. Well, because you guys would just hang out all day long and be like, "Okay, what are we doing today?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um. <laughs> yeah. I shot you girls studying. I shot so much gluing of. We were talking about that. So much gluing of crystals onto things. I was so impressed with like the number of stuff, the things you guys did yourselves. I mean, you have talked about it, and you talked about it on the show, but like the. You're Playboy bunnies, and you're on this like restricted schedule, this restricted budget. Mm-hmm. Like you were only, you were limited in how many times you can get your hair done. You were limited yeah. in like what he would pay for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating what you were, you would be able to pull off on your own. Yeah, totally. It was yeah. all about trying to slide everything in and make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there is a way to make it work for sure. Yeah. I have to ask, did you ever see anything crazy at any of the parties? I did. It, it was midsummer, actually. Um, there was a, I don't know what level of celebrity you would consider this person. I knew who it was at the time. Uh, I would say maybe B plus. Mm-hmm. Um, having sex publicly with what I would consider like a B level. We didn't have influencers that back then, but she was like a model sort of social. Yeah. Like it was sort of that era, like paparazzi uh, woman having sex right on a chaise, right out, like by the pool in, in open. Oh like, my public God. Room. And I was oh like, my God. okay, okay. This is what I had thought was going to go on the whole time I was here. And <laughs> that it, is funny. Yeah. They saved it for the last night. And then we had a lot of discussions about, you know, what the turn-on was and what, uh, I mean, obviously we know what the turn-on uh-huh. is, but like didn't think they would be that kind of person. And That is so yeah. funny. I think there was some stuff in the grotto too that same night, but they were just people. I mean, mm-hmm. they were just people. Just, uh, <laughs> uh, they weren't celebrities, know. but I mean, just like people hooking up uh-huh. and, and um, giving blowjobs and stuff in the in the grotto. But I was like, you're just civilians. You're just like, <laughs> me. like I can know that. Like, this is better. Um, so that was my big, that was that story. But it was, listen, I call it my summer at Playboy. It was an incredible time. It was a bubble. That sounds like a cute, like, limited series scripted show, My Summer at Playboy. Yeah. Really. We could do this, ladies. We could write this. Um, If Unreal can be on Lifetime, we could do our version of this, um, where it's supposed to be a comedy, but there's all the darkness behind it. And it was, it was one of, it was a really, it was a hard, very, very hard show. There was a lot of, like, not darkness, but it was hard. There was difficulties. It was stressful. It was, you know, not the, the most positive. But it was a really incredible experience for me, like, to have this, to be able to, to meet you ladies, to see behind the curtain, to see the depths and the difference between what is out there and what is the truth. Um, not that I don't get to see that on a lot of shows, but this was sort of this whole world that I had never been a part of, that I was sort of like very much on the outside of and I got to see the inner workings dog pee smell and all yeah, yeah. <laughs> when um, we were off and we didn't know if we were going to get picked up because they always like to say that we couldn't get advertisers for this show and yep. that advertisers were dropping out mm-hmm. and so there was all that downtime and stuff and you had to get a different job and leave which I was so bummed about do you think you would have come back or did you were you kind of done no I, I wasn't done I would have I would have come back I probably could have done another season I don't know if I could have done more than one se- the two seasons but I would have I, I would have come back I just had an opportunity I couldn't pass up and like I said it was just kind of sitting in an office staring at walls going maybe next week maybe next week maybe next week and we had talked sort of loosely about what the show was going to be if we like wh- where we were going to go from here and I would have come back 
Yeah, I was I was attached to you ladies. I was it was enjoyable enough. We had figured out field. And, you know, if I think, especially if I had known it was going to be a quarter of the success it was, I would have come back too. But um, it just felt so weird not being on all the calls with the network, knowing what was really going on, because we weren't. Yeah. So it just felt like this is just too weird just to have us all just hanging out, not working, but also not sort of vaguely talking about what the next episodes would be, but not really talking about it. I feel like everybody everywhere was kind of in the dark, except Mm -hmm. probably Kevin and Hef. Like, I even have friends now who used to work at the network at the time, and they listen to the podcast, and they're like, this is so interesting because we liked the show, and we knew what we wanted, but we had no idea how it was made. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also, I mean, there's so much stuff, to your point, there's so much stuff like at the network level that, you know, we're not party to. Mm-hmm. There's marketing saying it is, it's marketable or it's not marketable. There's advertising in sales being like, we can't sell, you know, or we can sell. There's all this other stuff behind the scenes. You know, the president might have a thing against Playboy bunnies. You know, you just have, there's so much stuff happening on that side of thing that we're not privy to that you just don't know what's going on. So there's just so many factors that go into a show. And then again, timing and the audience and everything, you just don't know what's gonna land and what doesn't. Yeah. But I, I think you, in that way, we were, we were right for the time and it was the right time and place for the series. Seems to be, because I think it was E's number one show, right? For a while. Yeah, it was for a long time. The whole time it was on, except season six. Yeah. You also, I, I really do, like, it, the show set up, we might not have been the very first, but there was this, that style of show hadn't been done, mm-hmm. exactly. And I think we set the tone for other series, you know, the Duck Dynasties, the Crisleys, these sort of worlds where we could have humor in them, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it was, this is so random, but do you remember on E! There was a show called Sunset Tan yep. for a minute. Yeah. It was just about a tanning booth business. Yep. It used to make me so mad because when we would do press for our show after season one aired, our show from season one to five was always the number one rated show on E! And when we would do press, I would say that. But then Sunset Tan comes on and it didn't do as well as Girls Next Door at all. But some guy from that show would go out and do press and I would hear him say, you know, Sunset Tan, it's the number one rated show on E! And it used to piss me off because I felt like that made us look like we were lying when we weren't. And I'm thinking number one show on E! in what, your time slot? Yeah. Where you're competing against nothing else? Right. (laughs) It used to piss me off so bad. That's so funny. I feel like that's where we took your sister, Sunset Tan. Oh, <laughs> probably. Yeah. And pink, I remember pink cheeks. Pink right? cheeks for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, the salon. I spent so much time in that salon with you, t- with you three. Oh my god! That was the first note that I ended up hearing secondhand from the network through Kevin. Was we're sick of seeing the salon. Yeah. Too much. <laughs> I heard too much hair blow drying or yeah. something like that. I have to agree. I have to agree with that note. And then later, I talked to somebody who used to work at Jose Bear, and he said, "Yeah, we had to kind of like cut you guys down from coming in as much, you know, because we have celebrities that come in." And I'm like, "Guess it was coming from both sides then." Yeah, Yeah. everybody was tired of the salon stuff. (laughs) I learned all about extensions. Chicken cutlets. Oh, my God. The dazzling things. Everything, yeah. Yes. Well, I had a whole bunch of other questions, but I, you're not here for these. I know. Sorry. I can't find out who picked that damn medium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't figure out who picked Mike's diner to stop at on the way to Lodi. Yeah. Probably. Well, just I'll, I won't give I won't know specifically, but, you know, we have to everybody has to be willing to be on camera and the location has to clear. Yeah. So 
you know, even when we went to North Carolina, we have to as we have to pre get those things because you yeah. can't just like walk in with cameras anymore. So my guess is they're like, okay, we want a medium on the show. All right, who either who's shot with one before, which often happens because sometimes like if you've done enough of these shows, you're like, oh, I know these places are film friendly. I know this psychiatrist that'll be on camera. I know this medium that'll be on camera. So they might have already known them, or they just. You know, on Thursday, Kevin's like, I want a medium and I want them there on Monday. And you just scramble to find whoever's available and, and w- is willing. Yeah. So it's a, usually a combination of that. And back in that day, people were not as film friendly, as like open to these things mm-hmm. as they are now, which is a plus and a minus too. Because now they're like, how much am I making? What yeah. can you pay? Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be my guess. They probably picked a plate, like a restaurant between here and there. And they're like, they just called everywhere until they found somebody who's like, yeah, bring them in. And they're like, Shit, this is the only one that said yes. So, Bridget, there's this amazing yeah, place, it's and amazing. it's pink with pedal cars. Because yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go somewhere totally different, and then they brought up this place, and I'm like, wait, what? I don't know. What is this place? And then they were, like, totally sallying me on yeah. it, how amazing mm-hmm. it was and how cute it was and how it was perfect. And we get there, and we're like, what the fuck <laughs> yeah. is this? Yeah. <laughs> It's usually some combination. And then sometimes we're looking for that reaction, too, out of you. Like, Or we're, like, we naively think, we're like, oh, we're just going to love this. Like, it's so her. And then you show up and you're like, what? who in the world? Yeah, like, I would never have stopped here in a million so years. <laughs> uh, one thing, this does actually pertain back to you. Kendra drinking openly on camera and not being 21. Yeah. Never would have gotten away with that now. Never would have. I don't know how. It's funny you should say that. I was watching that and... She was so on the DL at first, and then it becomes, it just, it's by Vegas. Is it Vegas where she's just drinking publicly? I thought it was even before that, and I thought it was kind of a rule that Kendra needed to be. Because she's drinking, she's drinking when we took Sarah and what's her name out. She's got a drink in her hand there, too. Oh, that's early, early on. She also was in a bar, but. um, (laughs) It's funny you should say that because I, it's, because all I can remember is the amount of hypnotic we had to. Yeah. We had it everything because mm-hmm. that I had never had that drink before, and now it's like burned into my memory from this show. But um, she definitely drank and wasn't shy about it. And I like now. I I mean, within the last six, seven, eight years, you would never show somebody underage drinking. Yeah. Well, I remember it being a thing where she needed to be on the DL about it. Like as long as she had it in like a solo, you know, solo. A, a solo cup yeah. or a cup like this or like it, you yeah. could explain that it might be something else other than alcohol. As long as there was that, she could she could do it. But if it showed us all doing shots at a club or something, she couldn't do one with us. Right. But I feel like even though she was told that that's how it had to be, that all just went out the door like a right away yeah I mean she wasn't you don't really do you see her drinking like do you see her knowingly drinking like where you know it's in her cup because I feel like you don't see her you can tell by her behavior she has perhaps imbibed but well I think in the Vegas episode we all have the drinks in our hands yeah and we all cheers yeah and it's like the frosty I mean I guess you could technically say she got hers non-alcoholic right but yeah (laughs) yeah no I would think at the time we wouldn't have knowingly shot it we would have had to keep it from being public yeah because we would we would have been liable as well because I remember we were talking about with our other friend from the show too Mm -hmm. um and he was saying some stuff about that too about it was supposed to stay on the down low she was supposed to keep things in silo cup she was supposed it was not supposed to be obvious yeah but that didn't happen yeah Yeah. because I remember thinking I think there were times where she snuck liquor and we didn't know oh you know what I mean where like she would disappear and come back and we're like yeah great (laughs) yeah now this is my problem to deal with yeah um but then, 
Yeah, I think she would have had to. And then I don't know how we wouldn't have been able to regulate it at the parties in the at the Playboy Mansion. Like we right. just wouldn't have been able to keep track of her. Right. No, there'd be no way. Yeah. Anything else? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I've this asked you stuff so that's good. even like outside of your I hope so. Thing. I was like I said, I wish I I wish I could remember more. I really wanted to study, and I like I said, mm-hmm. I went to look back because I was like, I know I have notes. I'll have call sheets. I'll have all yeah. of this stuff, and I didn't. Just gone. So weird. Yeah. Because that's what the other person we talked to said too. And it's like, well, it was sucked 18 into years ago. Timeline. Yeah. And just like technology was so different True. and everything. True. Like it's on laptops that don't even boot up anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. like, mm-hmm. I'm usually so, I like, I keep a lot of stuff like that. And I just, I might have gone through like a phase where I was like, I'm never going to need this stuff again. And now, of course. Um, yeah, that I happens do. to me with my stuff I have, like, archived. Like, I'll look back and I'll be like, wait, I'm missing this whole chunk. Where the fuck did it go? Did somebody steal it? I wouldn't have thrown it out. Yeah. It's weird. Like, sometimes you think you're super organized and saving everything and it's still yeah. nowhere to be found. Or I rage cleaned and just, yeah. like, was like, goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's the worst. Because then you always throw things away you need later. Yeah. You're like, that was important. I shouldn't have thrown it away. I so appreciate this. I, you know. Thank you so much Hopefully for coming yeah. on. This has been so fun. I hope so. I was nervous. Like, and I wish I just wish I could remember more. So thank you so much, Jen, for sharing. It was yeah. so fun catching up. So we want to tell you guys before we get into season two in a couple weeks, kind of what we were up to between filming seasons one and two, just so you guys can get like the whole story. And we were down from filming for like five months. Cause the last thing we filmed was actually something you never saw the queen Mary, which was like the second week of November. And then we didn't come back up until early April. Why didn't they use the queen Mary? I don't know. And I'm wondering, was it ever a deleted scene that we see in like the season two DVD has, if anyone out there has ever seen any footage of us on the queen Mary, let me know. Yeah, for sure. Um, Cause I forgot that they even filmed it because it wasn't in the show. Yeah. Until I was looking at the scrapbook pictures and I'm like, oh, wait, there's camera crews with us. They did film this. I mean, the Queen Mary was so much fun. We went there for that Marilyn Monroe exhibit, though. <laughs> oh, my God. And later, the Marilyn Monroe exhibit was it turned out to be debunked because I remember looking at some of the jewelry and the display and being like, that doesn't look like what she wore at all. But I'm so like willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. I was like, well, maybe that was just like the stand-in jewelry, like the lies I will tell myself, which is which is like a window into why I was at the damn mansion for seven years. But it was it turned out that it was false. This was just dinner at Dantana's. I think that was the night too. Oh, that was a night when we were all crowded into a booth. And then there was a famous person's parents in the booth next to us. And they were so pissed that they weren't getting like the fastest service and that how most attention. Yeah. And how could they possibly be in the same room as Hugh Hefner? And they got up and stormed out. Like you could feel the animosity from so far away. We're not going to say who it was, but you guys can guess. Yes, you can guess. But back to the Queen Mary. So we went to that Marilyn Monroe exhibit. And then and then there was like this big like event in one of the grand ballrooms too, where they were like doing, had people coming up and talking and speaking and all that kind of stuff. And then we went to Sir Winston's for dinner, mm-hmm. which was like, if you've never been to Sir Winston's, it's very um, formal and like, it's like five course and they bring you like sorbet in the middle of the courses to like cleanse your palate. And you know what I do remember though? I got up at one point to use the restroom mm-hmm. and I can't remember how far the restroom was, but I remember feeling this weird eerie vibe and being very feeling very alone and isolated when I was in that bathroom. That's creepy. Yeah. 
Isn't there one bathroom on the Queen Mary that's supposed to be haunted? There's one on the whole other end of the ship that's haunted right above like the salon where we are taking photos that one, like Mm. just recently when we were there, that bathroom is supposed to be haunted, but they've completely remodeled it. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I didn't feel anything in there anymore. Yeah. And then then, we went on a ghost tour in our pajamas and look at Hef in the background. He does not look happy. (laughs) Like I'm shocked he even went on the ghost tour with us, but he just looks like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. And then at some point you guys teeter off because here we go looking at room B340 before it was remodeled. You guys, I have a photo of B340 before it was what it is now. Well, we didn't teeter off. What happened is we all went back to the Winston Churchill suite that we were staying in. And we were, I remember all of us girls were sitting on the floor and we were ready to go back out. And I was excited to go back out with you guys. And I said something about it and Hef was like, no, you're staying here and literally grabbed my hair yeah. and like yanked me to the bedroom, like a cave, like a cartoon of a caveman, like dragging his woman off to a cave. I was like, what in the actual fuck right now? I remember him pulling your hair, but I didn't realize that, like, why did we go back to the, the, that suite in between, like in the middle of it? I have no idea unless Hef was just tired or we were waiting for like them to set something up for us. I don't know. Yeah. Well, what was fun about it afterwards is we went to B340 and then we also got to go into the pool area, but not only into the pool area, but like down, we got to go in the pool. Like actually we have pictures from being in the bottom of the pool, which I thought was so cool. One of the things that's memorable to me too, about the Queen Mary is on the way home. Then the day before when we left, I had dropped Winnie off to be spayed. Oh yeah. And then on the way home, it was time to pick her up. I got a phone call that she was ready to be picked up. And I totally wanted the whole bus to stop because we were going right past it. Oh, that would have been funny. I wanted the whole bus to stop and pick her up so that I didn't have to have like one minute left without her, Aww, you know? That would have been a fun experience. But it was like a no. Uh-uh. And the next big thing we did that month was GlamourCon. And you guys probably don't know what GlamourCon is because it's like a relic of the past. But GlamourCon was a convention that started, I believe, in the 90s as like a tribute to Betty Page. Oh. Yeah. But then it turned into just pinup modeling. So all these playmates would go and get booths and they would sell like photos. Some people would sell underwear. Some people would sell risque photos and people would come up and buy them. It was very much the analog version of OnlyFans. Right. (laughs) But I remember we used to go every year. Hef would want to go, which is kind of looking back strange to me that he wanted to go because this wasn't like a thing that playboy made money off of or anything but he would go and he would sign stuff for a while and i think it got started because when he was dating brandy roderick she had a booth there before she was a playmate and he like went to support and then he started going back every year i don't know if he just like enjoyed the attention or thought he was like supporting the fans or what he was doing that's interesting here's what i was told Uh when i first started going to GlamourCon, and it was before i was a girlfriend Uh i was told that hef comes every year because so many playmates do it that he goes there to help support all his play mates and they like get crowds there oh interesting so i don't know if that's true or not it seems but weird though because you would think why wouldn't playboy just do their own version of it i think because it's a lot it. of work possibly to, <laughs> i don't know yeah i feel like they could have and made good money off of it but we were so excited because for the past four years we've been going with half every year but obviously we had no reason to do a signing we were just trailing along behind yeah. half and then sitting at the table smiling while he did all these autograph signings 
But now that we were on the cover of the magazine, not only could we have a booth at GlamourCon, but we were the headliners of GlamourCon. Yeah, we were so on it, the cover of the flyer. Yeah. So we felt really cool. But we also realized very quickly that GlamourCon was not for us. No, but I think we <laughs> did we do it one other time? No, I think this was the only time. It oh. probably feels like we did it more because yeah. we sat with Hef yeah. all the years leading up to it. But we didn't do it again because I remember we went and there was no like paying with credit cards or, you know, some autograph shows, they have people buy tokens and you can just like trade tokens and like turn them in for cash at the end. But you literally had to sit there with a cash box, like you're selling Girl Scout cookies, counting out change. So it was tedious. And because it was tedious, there was only a certain number of people you could get through. And there's only a certain amount of money you can make because you want to keep your prices competitive with everybody else. You don't want to be like the conceited girl who's charging double. And there was three of us. So they have to pay for everybody's autograph. Mm -hmm. Like it's per autograph. I um, never like taking money from people. Like I never like being like, okay, okay. Oh, you want a picture with me? Okay, that's $15 or whatever, you know, yeah. or you, oh, you want my autograph? That's $10 or whatever it is. Like, I never felt comfortable doing that. And I still don't to this day. Like, it makes me very, very, very uncomfortable. I appreciate that some people want to pay for that. And I think that that's so flattering and so sweet. But I personally am not comfortable with it. So we never went back to GlamourCon, but we felt cool that we got to do it for one year. So after GlamourCon, what was the next thing we did? Well, I wanted to share an email with you guys that I I got. It's an email that Mary shared with me. I have no idea why she even shared it with me, but it was about international sales on the show. And I thought it was interesting. I thought people might think it's interesting, but it's Girls of the Playboy Mansion, aka Girls Next Door. It says like all these different markets that it's being sold in. And it says third party sales status. And Mary made a note in her writing, we get paid for these ones. And it's Netherlands, Belgium, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Romania, Bulgaria, Korea, India. But just keep in mind, like they got paid for all Yeah, those. I was just going to say, we get paid who? <laughs> and then I thought this was an interesting note too. Please note that in the UK, unfortunately, the free to air channels have all passed on the show for various reasons. I felt it was not male enough and ITV had concerns about being associated with Playboy the Playboy brand and are moving away from that genre of programming and the same goes with Australia where all free to air channels have passed nine felt it skewed too young for its audience seven quite simply did not like the show and 10 felt it was not male enough for their slot where they would envision the Playboy brand weird i just think it's fascinating um, to note how many places that Girls Next Door aired, but not only that, but how many international sales that we never saw a dime. A penny from, that, or, yeah. yeah. A penny from. Should we join the Bethany Frankel reality TV reckoning? <laughs> oh, I am. I I did. Like, I liked her. I, I Not that she saw it, but I did go on and like her. Yeah. Not that thing. it would do us any good now, because I don't think we're planning on doing reality TV, but still. I don't think it helps people. us retrospect retrospectively, yeah. but maybe it does. Who knows? So where were you at mentally November, December 2005 when we were getting ready to the show might come back? It might not. We didn't know. Right. I feel like I was very confused. I felt like I I loved doing the show. I was super excited mm -hmm. about it. We were finally just starting to get a little bit of money from it. Yeah. And I really loved the producers. I felt like they were like family. And I, I was very confused at like all of this response that we were getting about, we can't sell advertisers because it's Playboy and 
and it just felt it felt like there were two different realities going on and i almost felt like and maybe it was just me but i almost felt like we were being lied to as a way to like say we can't pay you or don't get your hopes up or don't don't get high on your horse or anything like that a lot of ways to control us by using this advertising thing but maybe i'm wrong maybe there truly was an advertising thing i don't know well i think you're right because there was a lot of gaslighting going on like there was a guy who worked at the network for the first couple seasons of girls next door and then he was switched out but i remember after this first season aired we had a meeting with him it was just him and us i don't think half was in the meeting and we sat down and we were well aware that we were the highest rated show on e like that information had been shared with us but when we started the meeting he goes so he was acting very underwhelmed. And I think he was doing that to let us know that we don't have bargaining power. He was like, so the show's been great. Like, this is not really the reaction you'd expect from someone when you just delivered like their highest rated show. Because, right. so, you know, the show's doing great. Wait, can I just interrupt too? Not only the highest rated show, but like the highest rated show in like three years or something like that. Yeah. I don't know what their highest rated show before that would have been. Only because I saw it in the notes. Yeah. And he was like, so yeah, the show's doing good. You're right up there with Doc 90210. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me right now? Oh my God. It was so gaslighty. So yeah, we didn't really know like in wintertime if we were going to get picked up. But I feel like by the time, you know, the new year had come around, we must have had an idea because I'm looking through my day planner from early 2006 before we started filming. And there's a couple times in here we have meetings with Kevin, like January 11th, 1230, lunch with Kevin. And I don't know if we were renewed by that point. Like maybe he was just sitting us down to say, okay, what are you guys up to? Because I need to go back to the network and say, this is what we're filming. Yeah. But there's a couple meetings with Kevin in here. So we must have been gearing up. Well, I think Kevin was always hopeful and optimistic. And he was like gung ho that we were going to get a second season. But it was never it still wasn't promised from the network. And there was Mm -hmm. still that out there like that. Yeah. So I think that he was always very positive on it. Did you notice that Jenny McCarthy met us at Geisha House here? I remember that because she had just filmed a show called Party at the Palms for E. She hosted it. Yeah. And she came up and she looked at us all mischievously, mischievously. And she goes, so how do you guys like working for E? And I I didn't say anything else, but I kind of got the impression maybe she hadn't had the best experience. I don't know. Oh, that's funny. You know what? Out of all the celebrities we met, she was one of the ones that was so nice and like always made you feel like you could be best friends with her and didn't like seem... She just seemed so cool. Like she would just sit down and hang with us. I felt like very personable. Not everyone was like that. No, they weren't. (laughs) But she was always very cool. And Mm -hmm. I felt like she didn't like have this air about her that she was like better than us or something. Oh, not at all. She was very much like would just talk to you like she'd known you all her life. And other people weren't like that. Like there were other people on her level that just acted like we weren't even in the room. Exactly. Like we were ghosts next to half. Exactly. Acknowledged. Exactly. We're not going to say who, but. Then we went out this same night and we're running to Paris Hilton and Ryan Seacrest is here hanging with us. Mm -hmm. Paris was nice too. She would always say hi to us and stuff. Yeah, she would always say nice. Yeah. There were some people who would not even say hi. They would beeline straight to half and wouldn't even like smile or look. Mm -mm. We we were not human beings to them. (laughs) Or if they did look, it was kind of like a, like. Yeah, like a, ew, I just have to acknowledge you. Uh, Please don't touch me kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, totally. You might get cooties on me. Yeah. 
Oh, and then um, where's this cute place you went with your mom? This is Lodi. Oh, downtown Lodi. So I went home. You guys, they had me come and um, because I was working mm-hmm. actively at this time on my broadcast journalism certificate while I was at. That's why I was at KTLA doing stuff. So I came home and the local news, um, Channel Thirty One, let me actually do the news live from downtown Lodi. Cute, and it was so fun. But it was so early in the morning, and it was freezing poor winnie at one point Aww. was like shaking oh no and luckily this coffee shop let us let my mom bring winnie in there because you know they're mm-hmm. like can't have dogs really but they let her bring her in yeah. there and warm her up for me but we were freezing and i remember too that i got a coffee at that coffee shop and this there was like fans like mm-hmm. hanging out and one girl i threw my coffee cup away she dug it out of the garbage and said will you sign this for me well the pictures look very fall midwest hometown the leaves are changing. Right? Look at all the yeah. leaves on the ground and stuff. Yeah. And then we came across this article that Hef did in some newspaper and the headline is it was time to thin the herd. Right. And I forgot he used to always say that because when people would ask him about, oh, you used to have seven girlfriends. Now you only have three. His canned response to that was, well, I decided it was time to thin the herd. Yeah. You know what? I thought this was interesting too. Um, December 4th, the season finale of Girls Next Door garnered the series' highest highest ratings. They wanted to see us get married in Vegas. <laughs> I think so. And then in January, that's when we start having meetings with Kevin again. And we also were meeting with the same company that handled Betty Page because they were going to become our managers. And that was only okay because this was somebody that was like within Hef's world. So he still had control over us. Yeah. But they were the ones who like set up websites for us and like merch stores and things like that. And then we just did a bunch of stuff. It was a busy schedule. We went to the Golden Globes. We filmed a Desperate Housewives Super Bowl commercial. Right. That's okay. I don't know if you guys remember, (laughs) but I was racking my brain because I'm like, we filmed a Super Bowl commercial one time and I could not remember like who we shot it for or what it like. I remember shooting it, but not what it was for or anything. But that's what it was for a Desperate Housewives commercial. Yeah. And I have a list of my goals. In January, I wanted to do a Girls Next Door calendar. Check. I wanted to do a Girls Next Door book. Check. I wanted to do a second season of Girls Next Door. Check. I wanted to launch a website and a web store. Check. I wanted to do Halloween costumes. Check. <laughs> and the Halloween costumes were right around the corner. I forget when it was, but I think it was like February. Like a month later, we were shooting for the Playboy Halloween costume line. Yeah. All of that stuff came to fruition and came to fruition fast. Yeah, it did. And I feel like if the show had been up and filming, they would have loved to have filmed us shooting the Halloween costume catalog because it sounds dumb to like shoot or cover a photo shoot on TV because like people are doing photo shoots on their iPhones these days. But back then, people used to love to watch a photo shoot. Like I remember even in the spinoff days, the network would be like, so what fun photo shoots do you have coming up? Because on E! It was even like early seasons of the Kardashians. It was all about filming the photo shoot. Yeah. (laughs) That was like the height of excitement back then. Well, in Halloween costumes, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I think that's really fun. Yeah. And they did a good job on the Playboy Halloween costumes. I felt like they were quality. They even came in like nice, like garment bags and stuff. Yeah, they were, they were good. Cute. But you guys listen to this weekend. We fly to Vegas and yeah, do, this, crazy. do this new segment, 
shopping spree thing, fly, fly back. home. And then we have one day that I have jam packed with random like doctor's appointments and fittings and stuff I had to but do. It's still, so it's the one day off. But it's still dinner and a movie night because it's yeah, a Friday night. Still dinner and a movie. The next day we have the Mardi Gras party at the mansion, also with dinner and a movie. The next day we flew to Canada because the next day after that we were filming Scary Movie 4, which we had to jump on a plane right after and get home that night so we could be ready for Valentine's Day the next day. And then the day after that we filmed Robot Chicken. And then the day after that we did our Halloween costume photo shoot. And then the day after that we went to the Playboy studio to do a shoot for Playboy.com, which love all that stuff, love all that opportunity, but it's crazy just the turnaround. Yeah. And then the day after that we did our pet photo shoot for the some magazine. It was just crazy. But that's a crazy schedule. And part of me is sort of jealous of myself back then because I feel like that's amazing. Like I love, I love all of those things. Like I would love my next week to look like that and have all those things going on because it's all a super exciting. But then there's another part of me is like, holy shit. How do you like go from Vegas to Van- to a Mardi Gras party at the Playboy Mansion to Vancouver to Valentine's Day to photo shoot and like stay at the top of your game. And then I have like start putting together my Mexico clothes because I think this was when Tiffany Fallon was getting married and we thought we were going to be yeah. able to go to her wedding in Mexico but then have freaked out because God forbid I go to a wedding reception and he like yelled at me and said I'm not going to any party and I was so devastated. Well, I was like in tears. We tried to go on just our own without him too. And that was a no. Yeah. We were not going to go to Mexico to go to Tiffany Fallon's wedding. Like I know. She was marrying Joe Don from Rascal Flats. And I just felt dumb because it was one of those things that I already said I was going to go to. I was so excited about. And then you feel stupid because you have to tell your friend, no, my dad said no (laughs) at age what? 25 or however the hell old I was. So stupid. And then the week after that, we shot our very first Girls Next Door calendar. And then we were meeting with the guy about making our bobblehead dolls. That was fun and exciting. So it was exciting because we were like doing all this merch and like everything was gearing up and we were coming back for season two. And then we started filming again in early April. Was a lot though. Yeah. It was a lot. So we are going to take a week off. We hope you guys have an amazing Labor Day weekend, but we will be back the next Monday and we will be digging into season two of Girls Next Door. Woohoo! Coming back with a vengeance. So if you guys would like more content, we'll still be having new episodes of our Slumber Party podcast up on our Patreon at patreon.com slash girlsnextlevel. And we'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye, guys. Bye.